Hello everybody, welcome to Take the Black Live, the one and only show on the internet that dares to ask questions like How is Shadow and Bone? What's the latest news in House of the Dragon? What do we think of Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Sci-Fi, Fantasy, Dragons, Monsters, Trolls, this sort of thing? I am Dan Selke, the editor of WinnersComing.net, and I am here with, let's start with, um, Clockwise from the Top with Mia. <laughs> Oh, I just, I'm just going to say hi, yeah. <laughs> if you know me already, I'm Mia from the Editor Dork Side of the Force. I'm happy to be here on this wonderful Wednesday. And our special guest... Hi, I am Amanda. I am a writer at Winter is Coming, and I also write for uh, Culture Us and some other places on Fansided. Excited to be here. Thank you. I'm very excited to have you because... Our first big topic is going to be a discussion of the new Netflix fantasy program, Shadow and Bone, a television series dropping this Friday on the Netflix eight episodes adaptation of Leigh Bardugo's, I think it's how you say it, novel series about a Russian-based fantasy series where magic is possible, darkness battles with light, there's a big old uh, uh, evil fold in the middle of a country, and we're going to tell you whether it's worth watching or not before we go on. Hey, everybody watching. Good to see you, everyone. Hey, Vanessa. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, Julie. Hey, um, a couple of folk uh, there on the YouTube channel. Hey, Zach. Thanks for joining us. Um, and I'm excited to get into it. So, Amanda, you, if, if I understand it, you have read the Shadow and Bone books in addition to watching the show, right? Yes, before actually, I've read them a few times, so not my first <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> This is the right person to be talking to. Because I wanted this to be like a discussion of, I, I, I did watch all eight episodes of the screeners of the Netflix show. I have not read the books and you've mm-hmm. done everything. And Mia, you are a neophyte. Mm-hmm. So if we get into a discussion, <laughs> you are the tiebreaker. If we disagree at a point. <laughs> yeah, we've got everyone on the spectrum. <laughs> And all of you watching, let me know, are you interested in seeing the Shatter and Bone show? And maybe you will be more or less by the time that we're done talking. So, Amanda, just I guess there's a first question. As someone who read the books and is familiar with this world, how did how well did the Netflix show adapt them? I think they did a really great job with it. I feel like um, it's one of those adaptations where you could kind of tell that they have like a lot of respect for the source material Mm -hmm. and wherever they do deviate from it. I feel like they do it for a reason and it's well done, kind of similar to how Game of Thrones has kind of thrown some stuff in there that actually improves the story instead of just, you know, for no reason. I felt that when I was watching. I mean, again, I haven't read the books, but I did definitely feel like, okay, there's a lot of specificity to this world. So It's set, honest to God, like as someone who came in without really knowing it, I'll be honest, the first couple episodes were very um, terminology heavy. <laughs> they were like, um, you're a sun summoner, you're a tracker, you're an inferni, you're a airbender, you're a Charizard, or like whatever. They just kept saying that kind of thing. And I was like, y'all have a lot of names for all these um, things you can do. Basically, everyone watching, it's set in sort of a Russian inspired, kind of like is it like 19th century czarist inspired fantasy mm-hmm. world? Yeah. And you have the ordinary folk. You have the Grisha who are magic users and who are at once reviled by the many people, but also very powerful and in control. And I guess he, he, here's something that I will say that was 
throw me for a bit of a loop kind of throughout. I never, they're at war. Our main mm-hmm. character, Alina Starkov and her best friend, Mal, are part of the Ravkin army. I never quite got like, who are they fighting exactly in the war? Yeah, I feel like they don't get into that that much, but um, I think it's just like all of the surrounding nations are kind of having tensions with one another. Like, I know there's the shoe and that's why they're all like super awful to Alina about being part shoe, but right, right. it's more than that. There's other nations I don't really know off the top of my head that I think it's mostly because Ravka um, actually accepts the Grisha and everywhere else they kind of condemn them. So everybody sort of has it out for them like they're embracing witchcraft i guess yeah that i mean that does make sense i I do feel like that line could have been like drawn more clearly because some of it felt like okay this is a war story and like not once do they mention like what exactly fight they're fighting in like against who yeah although you could like pick it up like it's fierda or whatever those people who are the kidnapped ones um Did you have like a favorite character going in from the books and did they do them justice? Um, My favorite character from the series is actually probably going to be in season two, but from the ones that we've met so far, I guess either Inej or Jesper, the crows are all like fabulous. So I'm definitely on the Inej joy train. I, she, she was probably my favorite. I'm thinking. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, everyone watching, there's kind of like two stories. There's Alina Starkov, who is a, member of the Ravkin army who discovers she has Grisha magic powers. I'm not, I'm not going over the spoilers, am I? I'm not going, I'm not setting a term. <laughs> I don't think so. And she discovers she has powers, that's her whole thing. And then there is a group of other folk who are from a different novel series who are on the other side of the big, evil, dark, can't go through it fold. Yeah, that's them. Um, <laughs> who are kind of this scrappy, not magic at all Sort of like um lovable gang of misfits and also a literal gang and also a literal lovable gang. And they were fun. Yeah, it, it, it was it was cool to kind of cut back and forth again in sort of a Game of Thronesy way. I know it's bad to say, like, is this the next Game of Thrones, which everyone is already doing because they always do that. Whether it's like The Witcher, Lord of the Rings, Wheel of Time, Shatter and Bone. It's like every fantasy series is, is this the next Game of Thrones or not? Um, I did think that maybe they were a bit inspired by that because I, as I take it that the Shadow and Bone books are like one perspective, but this had like multiple stories running concurrently in a kind of Game yeah. of Thronesian fashion. Yeah, I feel like that's becoming a trend in fantasy. Like everybody's trying to jump on that bandwagon, which I mean, I'm not complaining. I like multi-perspective. Yeah, I mean, I thought this worked. And I, I remember a, a contrast with The Witcher, which tried that. And I thought it like yeah. failed because they did this whole thing where they were like, these stories are happening like 40 years apart from each other and we're not telling you and it doesn't make any sense. But this one, like, okay, th- 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 this works a little better. You know, while we're on the subject, I wanted to say of um, like, is this the next Game of Thrones? It kind of made me think of like the longevity, right? Because Netflix will, they're going to drop all what, eight episodes at once. Yeah. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, you're going to see it and it's going to be kind of buzzy for, unless it pulls a Bridgerton, it's buzzy longer. And then, you know, it's going to kind of go away until you said, it sounds like there's going to be a second season. Um, it seems like, a, yeah. We, okay, yeah, we, I was just we, wondering, we, like, we how much... We can neither confirm nor deny this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Julie asks, how are the costumes? Amanda, have you opinion on that? I think uh, the costumes are pretty great. I Honestly, like you said, everything is just so intricately done from the world building to costumes, just 
you really feel immersed in the world while you're watching it. One thing you can depend on these big expensive fantasy shows nowadays is they they, they are going to give you the production budget. Like since Game of Thrones, like this, we're way past like Xena and Hercules or whatever back in the 90s. Like this is like people go all out. They get, you know, we're, we're meeting kings and queens and it's full like full czarist splendor. There's like a Rasputin weird guy walking around in like kind of dirty robes. Um, they got the, the the army uniforms. They have special effects. The show looks great. I, I would yeah. not um, discount that. I mean, there are a couple times when like they're in the fold, which is the big kind of magical, dark, evil area where the monsters who live there look at them like, eh, I don't know. But I mean, <laughs> you can't get everything. Absolutely. 100% pristine. First time out of the gate. But the show looks tremendous. It really does. Any performances stick out for you? Um, I feel like I keep harping on Inej, but... She was uh, really good. The actress who plays her is fantastic. Mm. Um, ben Barnes, obviously, oh. I feel like, was made to be General Kerrigan, honestly. He was probably my... F- like, if I had to, like, say, like, what was the best thing about the show, probably Ben Barnes as General Kerrigan, who is a Grisha magic wielder of... Uh, ambiguous moral allegiance, which makes me an exciting character, and you want someone like Ben Barnes, a good actor in that kind of role, who can like sink his teeth into it, you know, and really like kind of dig yeah. into: is he good? Is he bad? Is he in between? Should we sympathize with him? Should we not? I will say I had some problems sympathizing with the main character, Alina, occasionally. Like you're not the first person to tell me that. I feel like I didn't notice it as much, but like other people who have watched it already have mentioned that to me. <laughs> In the premiere, I'm like, and this is not on the spoiler list, so I'm not breaking anything. <laughs> in, in, in the premiere episode, there's a bit where she and her best friend Mal, who is that shirtless gentleman from the earlier uh, screen, <laughs> they're like best friends from childhood, from the they grew up in an orphanage together, which is very cute. But then, like one of the first sh- things she does is he is assigned because a part of the army to go through the folds, are very dangerous. And then she's like, no, I can't be separate from him. So she destroys some maps. So she, she, she's a cartographer in the hopes that she will be assigned to accompany him into this dangerous hellscape. And her entire unit has to go too. And part of me was like, wait, am I supposed to like you? Because you like don't want to be separate from this guy. So you destroy government property and get your whole unit sent to certain death. Like, it didn't seem that was an early thing. It was like, okay. Yeah, I I feel like her relationship with Mal is supposed to be, like, super codependent. And you're supposed to, like, watch her break away from that. Um, To her credit, I feel like she didn't know that they were going to assign her whole unit. But at the same time, they never really explore that in any depth. She's never just like, oh, hey, I possibly just doomed a bunch of people to death. (laughs) I agree. I mean, it's that thing where you're like, are, is, are you supposed to view the character as fallible and her actions as wrongheaded? Or does it want you to like this person a lot and just be I, on her side with this stuff? And I wasn't, mm-hmm. I was, I'm not sure they threaded that needle perfectly with her. Yeah. Um, how about the, uh, the, the, the show's kind of YA roots? Cause, cause this is, a, this is a young adult fantasy series and it did feel that way to me sometimes. And like, we're talking like a lot of attractive young people, <laughs> With a lot of impressive skills, you know, make a lot of them making eyes at each other throughout the thing. Um, I, I, uh, 
I'm I'm not someone who 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 loves YA stuff, although I can obviously get on board with it if it's done well. And I, I thought it was done well. It does give off this isn't and this isn't a bad thing necessarily. Like um CW with budget sometimes, I thought what as like a fan of, of kind of the YA space, if I'm not assuming too much, mm-hmm. what do you think of of that influence on this kind of show? Um, I feel like it probably feels that way because when Shadow and Bone was written, it was like that era with like the Hunger Games and Divergent and like every YA story feels pretty much the same with like a different face <laughs> on it. Um, and there's really no getting around that because the plot no. and the characters are sort of like written to that. What I think is that like Six of Crows it was written later and it's I think that's why you kind of feel like so interested in that storyline as well because it's not quite as cookie cutter YA. It's Yeah, I agree. Unique, yeah. But I definitely <laughs> felt that there was uh, one episode, won't say too much, but that had like a lot of romance and like, you know, gorgeous mm, felt very, very YA to me. <laughs> not that that's a bad thing though. It, it, it's not. I, I feel like YA kind of. Uh, there's almost like a bit of a stigma around it because I don't know. There's yeah. mostly older men like me who are like, "Ew, teenagers kissing." No, <laughs> I was gonna say you have to give that genre credit for what it has spawned. Depending on if you want to yeah. say maybe it kind of started with like Harry Potterish or that's with, very true. You know, more so with Hunger Games or Twilight. I'm like, we're talking about this show right now, and you know, we've got someone who's super interested. I was super interested in uh, Hunger Games. <laughs> Like back when that was popular and everything. Um, so I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird to be like, uh, I hate to give young adult credit, but no, I, I have to. <laughs> it's doing its thing. <laughs> I mean, and it, it's a good, I mean, at the end of the day, it's bringing its more stories. It's good actors being employed, good stories being yeah. told, good shows being made. So, I mean, it, it's it's my own fault that I have this like bit of a block and it's a fault. I acknowledge it's a fault, but um, I, I will get over it. Some questions here. Will Shadow and Bone be an HBO? The answer to that is no. It is a Netflix program. No HBO crossover here. Is that the guy from Westworld? Yes, it is. It is Ben Barnes. <laughs> uh, also the guy from Chronicles of Narnia um, movies way back when. Wow. I think he was Prince... I don't know who he was. Prince Caspian, I think. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, wow, cool. he was, yeah. Loves good costume, of course. And Julie says, I'm not... Uh, definitely not YA, but I mean, I would give it a try, Julie. I- I'd watch the first one, <laughs> as Julie says. Um, not really YA, just A, which I do feel. Just a. <laughs> give it a whirl. Um, you can get the first episode. It it it, it might it might uh, interest you. Any other comments about it, or Mia? Do you have any questions about the uh, show that we're kind of talking about here? Anything bubble up? Uh- yeah, I was actually wondering how you felt about like the magic system and the world from Ooh. a perspective of someone who hasn't read the books, because I feel like they kind of just toss you in without a lifeboat. So I was also going to ask that because you were saying there's like all this terminology. I was like, okay, so for like a newbie like me, is this would this still be an entry level series if I've never like read the books or know anything about it? I think yes, because even though there's a lot of terminology, I mean, it, it, it's it's not tricky it's just like a bunch of words that and also especially if you if you've read fantasy before like if you've watched the last airbender it's like some people have magical powers and some don't and they can all do like (laughs) the one thing it's 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 not that hard to get your head around or anything which i don't personally love like i liked it again big surprise i liked it more like on game of thrones where magic was very like kind of inaccessible and mysterious Mm -hmm. and here like 
you have this power, you have this power, you have this power, you have this power, you're a firebender, you're an airbender, you're a etc. and so forth. And it all worked out and there were wrinkles, but no, the magic system I, I thought was fine. I thought it was kind of front loaded. But after the show, I did think improved as it went on and like they kind of got the ex- exposition out of the way a bit. I, I do believe that for a lot of things. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's interesting to hear, though, for somebody who, because uh, I felt the terminology thing while I was writing my reviews. I was like, do I need to explain some mm. of this? Like, I don't. I edited your reviews and I was like, if she explained it, it would be like twice as long. So I'm like, no, it's <laughs> yeah. fine. Like, we can just go ahead and do it. <laughs> any other comments from any of all you out watching? Any other questions on it? Maybe we can uh, move on. So I guess Mia has the final question. Yes. After our discussion, would you watch this? Are you interested? Um, I don't know if the conversation does anything to help. <laughs> not in a bad way. I think I, I feel like the trailer, if like the trailer sells it pretty straightforward and it looks good. I'm not going to say it's not good. Again, it's weird because I like YA, I like young adult, but still again, I'm not like jumping to get into more of the fantasy stuff. I think that's why I really liked Hunger Games because it was kind of like you've got a dystopian world, but it's just something when you start adding like in the magical elements and stuff or like fairies and the accents, I'm like, oh, I, I just <laughs> start to shut down. <laughs> um, but no, it looks like a great series and I'll kind of just be, you know, watching on as people talk about it. Cool. I am curious to see what the discourse will be um, when it drops mm. on Friday. And Amanda, as an expert, why don't you give the the final word here? Um was was the show a success? I think so. I think in comparison to a lot of other adaptations we've seen over the years, it's definitely up there in terms of doing the story justice. I'd agree. And again, I, I think it's better than The Witcher, which is Netflix's other uh, fantasy uh, swing and maybe miss. By the way, we also got some um, Christian says, I'll give it a shot. So we've convinced somebody. Yay. <laughs> and Stephanie is even more interested now that I've heard more about it. Comes out on Friday. Enjoy. All right, Amanda, thank you a million times for coming on. We thank value your expertise. <laughs> we value your contributions. We value you. Hope to see you back <laughs> real soon. Sure. Thank you guys for having me. Cool. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and we have a bigger program now. And as we sort of transition away from Shadow and Bone, why don't we have a quick ad break where I can inform you guys about an exciting new product. This podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Coco Bliss. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you are doing something good for your body. Earth Echo Foods starts with 100% organic cocoa beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then we blend it with turmeric, with MCT oil, with coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, we've been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. For up to 15% off, please visit EarthEchoFoods.com/slash/MinuteMedia and use the code Minute15. That's 
earthechofoods.com slash minute media and use the code minute 15. There we go. I want some gluten-free chocolate right now. And there's a link for you. All right, Mia. Whew. So Shadow and Bones of Maybe. But um, I hope we sold someone on it if you're interested. And thank you. <laughs> I've got some comments on my reading. Uh, thank you. I mean, that's the point, right? I, I want to sell you on this lovely, healthy chocolate. And beyond that, there's other stuff going on in the world of fancy sci-fi, uh, dragon laser nonsense. Um, we have some exciting new news about House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones prequel coming down the pipe from HBO. Are you ready, Mia? Yes, let's hear it. Okay, there's some two big things that happened this past week. First off, we got George R. R. Martin himself, um, this is the first time in a long time, made a casting announcement. He has not done that since like the early, early days of Game of Thrones, wow. where he was like, <laughs> Peter Dinklage is playing Tyrion Lannister, and... Major Williams is Arya Stark. Like, he did that stuff really, really, really early on, and then, you know, just kind of stopped as the, as the show yeah. kind of grew and grew and grew. So, it's sort of a nice callback, frankly, to have him announce a House of the Dragon casting. We learned that an actor named Fabian Frankel, who isn't really of any... I mean, like, he, he's been in stuff, but I'm not going to, like... He's not a name. He's not Matt Smith. Um, is going to play the Kingsguard Knight Kristen Cole in House of the Dragon. Mia, shall I explain to you... I mean, if you're interested, a little bit about Sir Kristen Cole. Yes, please. Okay, so we know House of the Dragon is Rhaenyra Targaryen versus Aegon Targaryen. Uh, Half-sister versus half-brother. They have the same father, the king. King dies, and they fight for the throne. We all know this, right? (laughs) I think by now, hopefully, we're all on the same page. Um, Kristen Cole is a knight of the king's guard, meaning he was assigned to guard the king, the old king. And the way the book is written, Fire and Blood, his motives aren't exactly clear, which is kind of exciting because it means the writers can kind of put stuff in. But word is he was very, very close to Rhaenyra. Like, mm-hmm. very, very close to Rhaenyra, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so he's guarding her father. And at the same time, he is uh at least very good friends with her and maybe more now the good thing about this is that again like it's not exactly clear what the relationship was like some say rhaenyra was really into him sometimes he was really into her what we know that at one point is that some kind of confrontation happened either he asked her to run away with him and she's like no i want to be queen can't do that sorry or she tried to seduce him and he's like no flustered i don't like this something like that happened and after that he turns like full incel hates her and he flips and then he sides against her in the dance of the dragons he goes with her half brother not with her and he like beats up like the suitors she like the the husband she marries after that he's got issues this kid although again it's not clear i kind of like the idea that he asked her to run away with her and she said like i can't i'm gonna be queen and he got really (laughs) mad and just um just like went full angry incel guy and does that he becomes really high in the standing of her half-brother Aegon during the war commands his armies becomes hand of the king so they become enemies um and that is christian cole in a nutshell he's supposed to yes as julie says bitter little man i love that But he's also, like, portrayed as, like, a very charming, as a really good fighter, as someone who is, like, sort of very chivalrous, but there's this, like, clearly maladjusted stuff beneath it. So that's sort of his deal. Although, again, it's not, it's ambiguous 
so they could write other things into it or like kind of mm-hmm. make some choices. But those are the facts. We know they were super close and we know there was some kind of split and he turned on her hard and then they fought against each other in the Dance of the Dragons. So Mia, do you see any possibilities here? Yeah, I like this character. There's a lot that you can do to either fill in the blanks or it makes me wonder if they will kind of leave that to be off screen or something to, mm-hmm. you know, just have still just have the imagination fill that in. Like, you know, one day they're really close and then cut to another episode or something. And, you know, they're or maybe, you know, we'll just kind of be established at some point that they did have a history and now he hates her guts or something like that. But it's an interesting character. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely potential here. And um, I, I don't know Fabian Frankel's work very well, but um, it's kind of like Game of Thrones. Like, nobody knew a lot of those people, and they kind of became stars with it. So, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. And also, on top of that, we got what are... Ooh, so I have some questions first about it. Mm. Bitter little man. Gotta love that. <laughs> could be a villain like Baelish. I'm not sure he's smart enough to be a villain like Baelish, but he definitely could be <laughs> oh. a villain. Um and Jen, there aren't just two other spinoffs. There are like seven, I think, in the works. House the Dragon, Duncan Egg, Robert's Rebellion, maybe. Um, 10,000 Ships. Oh, damn. Flea Bottom, uh, uh, the Sea Snake, <laughs> and a seventh that I can't remember right now. I'm not a miracle worker. Um, anyway, we also saw what we're pretty sure is the first uh, set photo from House of the Dragon. Like, uh, this is in a, I believe, St. Michael's Mount. I'm th- I didn't write this down. I think ah. I remember that. <laughs> a small island off the coast of Cornwall in southeastern England. This is from memory. I hope I'm getting this right. And basically, this isn't guaranteed, but it's like, it's pretty much a sure thing. They've built this sort of stone archway on this island that also has like a 12th century castle on it. Very, very mm-hmm. scenic. Very, very Game of Thrones. And we know it's filming, you know, this month. We know it's starting up this month. Um, we know there's a casting call for, like, a medieval drama in the area. Like, these are the things lining <laughs> yeah, up, Yeah, the telltales, right? yeah. <laughs> um, which is cool. It means it's happening. As, as far as, as, far as like, the, the, the photo itself, I mean, like, it's a castle entrance. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it could be anything. <laughs> Yeah, I like these set pictures that because we've kind of got on the Star Wars side set pictures that are coming out and there's one it's like, you know, it's in the desert and it looks like it could be like Luke Skywalker's home and they're like, it it could be, but it's yeah, it is just fun to be like, it's coming together. We know that much. The telltale signs are there and, you know, it's exciting to, to see it coming to fruition finally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I I was guessing it could be like Dragonstone, which is where a lot of... It's kind of like Rhaenyra's home base. Although mm-hmm. they already... Because Dragonstone featured on Game of Thrones. That's where Daenerys set up home base when she came to Westeros. I don't know if they would go with the same set or a different set. I've wondered that. Like, will it look exactly like it did on Game of Thrones? I don't know. Oh. And I don't know if I even want it to. Like, part of me just says, like, go ahead and make a new version of the Iron Throne and the Red Keep and everything. Just because, you know, don't do not do what Marvel does. Just make <laughs> make something completely different. Like, screw <laughs> consistency. Like, have a different creative vision for everything. That's the DC, that's the DC method. <laughs> that's the DC method, right. <laughs> but, of course, I also see the appeal of keeping things really consistent. And with George R. R. Martin helping. As Jen says, the Children of the Forest one might be done too. Oh, Jen, that, that one's been done for, for quite a while. Yeah, they, 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 they dumped that one for, for, for better or worse. <laughs> Ooh, but yeah, lots happening. Yeah. <coughs> oh, God, I'm talking a lot and I'm drinking a lot of water. It's not helping. Don't worry, we're talking about Marvel next. <laughs> we can. 
Hope, okay, uh, it, it, in the near future, I, I'll turn this over to you. But yes, in Marvel news, guess who's joining the MCU, Mia? Daenerys Targaryen herself, Amelia Clark. Wow, what a surprise. <laughs> no, that actually was a surprise to me to uh, when you sent that to me, because I th- I guess I had seen it late, and I was like, oh, wow, Amelia Clark is... I love Amelia Clark so much. I just love her, love her, love her. Um, and I, like, completely forgot about Secret Invasion to begin with. I know, <laughs> right? Just, I mean, again, where there's like 15 coming, like you can't check a wall. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm not a genius. <laughs> yeah, my brain is like on Falcon and Winter Soldier, maybe Loki, maybe at some point uh, Black Widow and um, Shang-Chi, which we'll talk about next. But yeah, it's super exciting to see that Amelia Clark is in the MCU. So she's in Game of Thrones. She fulfilled the Star Wars component mm-hmm. with Check. Solo. <laughs> and now she might even... I think her she's still kind of contracted-ish to maybe return to Star Wars 2, which I would like to see her if she wants to do her role again. Um, and now this. Um, so, yeah, it looks like Secret Invasion has Samuel Jackson. It's Olivia mm-hmm. Coleman as well, which Olivia was Coleman. new cast and like, wow. Oscar winner. <laughs> yeah, they're really doing it big, but... I mean, I guess that's to be expected. Um, I was going to say, I mean, like, it, it does show you how um, impressive the pedigree is at this point. Yeah. Like, Marvel is attracting... Um, Vanessa, we're not sure who she plays. We only know that Amelia Clark is now going to be in one of these Marvel TV shows on Disney+. Plus. So, after WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, Secret Invasion, somewhere... Like probably like next year or the year after that. Yeah, something I like think that. Hawkeye is still filming right now. So you gotta wait for that. You gotta wait for Miss Marvel. <laughs> yes, there's a lot. I did see um, one uh, tweet that I liked. That like they, they, they think she might play the head of Sword, just like an organization that yeah. is aliens. And there was one tweet that was like, uh, like apparently that character has to speak a lot of different alien languages. And I'm like, oh, they watched me at Clark speak yeah. Larry and Dothraki and they were like, oh, she can do that, right? That'd be yeah, fine. that's her. Yeah, just speak the, you know, the made up <laughs> fictional language. So that's really awesome. And they have been like building up the secret invasion. His in the comics was about, you know, the scrolls kind of infiltrating everywhere and that because they're shapeshifters, you know, from Captain Marvel, they're the green aliens and Ben Mendelssohn was one um he was kind of like one of the maybe i can think you can call him a leader um but they were the enemies during that during or the secret invasion yes and during the comics they they were like the enemy it was the scrolls versus the uh the kree basically but then in captain marvel they made the kree become kind of the bad guys and the scrolls were just the scrolls <laughs> were these basically kind of i think they were like refugees or something like that and basically the kree didn't like them so it's going to be fascinating to see how they go with a secret invasion now that they're not there is kind of like this secret invasion going on um Gosh, what was that one movie? Was it Spider? It was one of those movies where, you know, Nick Fury was actually... Oh, yeah, it was Spider-Man, where Nick Fury was <laughs> a scroll, um, And so okay. was Maria Hill, you know, at the end. And they revealed that Nick Fury was off in, like, space somewhere. So, there's a lot that they set up. They set up the Monica Rambeau stuff and Cap... Not Captain Marvel. And Scarlet Witch. So, they've got a lot of threads. As you can see, I'm really excited. And I'm like... <laughs> rambling off on all the connections that's great but, i mean it's a good time to be a marvel fan because they're doing a lot of stuff and they're bringing everybody um as someone said i hope she has a scene with um 
Kit Harrington as the Black Knight because they also Aww. got Kit Harrington and, and <laughs> yeah, Eternal Richard Madden in there. Yeah, <laughs> they also have the entire Game of Thrones cast, the Muffs and the Beers, eventually. But yeah, they're also doing um, just a trailer for Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which I think is I think is the next. Yeah. No, it's Black Widow, then Shang Chi, then Eternals. Mm-hmm. Um, any thoughts on that? I think it looks pretty good. Yeah, it does look really cool. Um, it's Simu Liu, <laughs> who is in the lead. And I know a lot of people like him from, was, that, was he in Kim, Kim's Convenience? I think that's the show. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like a lot of, yeah, a lot of people really like him. Okay, so that is, he is in that show and a lot of people really like him. And I'm new to all of this. So I'm like, I'm a fan of him now. He looks really cool. It looks like he worked out a lot to have to be doing this kung fu and, um, you know, wire stunts and all that. And, it, you know, it connects back to the Ten Rings that we kind of saw in Iron Man 3. We had a fake Mandarin <laughs> played by Ben Kingsley. Um, and then you find out he's like, oh, I'm just an actor and, you know, I'm just getting paid to do whatever I do. Um, so I think his dad is supposed to be the real man. Uh, I keep trying not to say Mandalorian, the Mandarin. <laughs> um, so it looks like it's got a fascinating story and I'm kind of interested to see how it will also connect to the Marvel world. Um, cause right now it seems kind of independent minus that kind of like Iron Man three connection. I mean, it's, it, it's not an origin. Well, I, actually, yeah, it is. It's like our and first I, introduction yeah. to this character. So they're going to have to do it like a little, you can't like, it, unless you're Zack Snyder, you can't like just throw them right into the universe all at once. You gotta like, do yeah. it. it's just theirs. But yeah, it looks good. It's like, um, his father's a mob boss, but a superhero mob boss, and he's an assassin, but he wants to go live his life. So he gets pulled back in. Mm-hmm. He's basically Michael Corleone, but a Marvel superhero and he gets pulled into the family business yeah it's like it's it's the godfather but marvel yeah yeah so i i can't say i'm not everything now is something but marvel (laughs) exactly (laughs) um so yeah that will come out eventually basically you know when i think they finally got their act together i believe but yeah i'm all into it and um okay this was a i talked we talked a lot i feel like only minutes have passed i've had such a good time um anything you watching mia um yeah, I'll just briefly mention, I can't believe this week the finale of yeah, The Falcon and Winter Soldier airs. That was six weeks gone by. This last Ooh. episode was, a, it was a good one. It, good. it felt tonally like the first episode because there wasn't as much action. They kind of had that first scene in the beginning and then it was just kind of like, we're going to slow down, have some character development, let, you know, um, Bucky and Sam kind of hash things out. And I guess they are really teasing towards a Sam Wilson Captain America. It, I, feel, I mean, it looks like there's no other way now. Like, you know, he's going to be Captain America um, and Bucky is going to do his thing. Walk off into the sunset. <laughs> because they reject it. I think that 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 might happen. I could see it happening. I like um, how deranged they've made the John Walker character and oh, uh, how sort yeah. of um, threatening weird he is. I think that's kind of exciting. And I love Julia Louise Dreyfus. Come on, man. Yes. Elaine from Seinfeld <laughs> yeah, I- is now a supervillain. I'm into that. Yeah, I was wondering uh, how you would feel about that, because I know you like Veep. 
Uh, so yeah, a lot of people were saying, oh, he's going to become U.S. agent. I, I still haven't really dug into that character. Um, but I thought U.S. agent like worked for the government and it seems like he's like not the government, you know, doesn't want to stand within six feet social distance of him. So, um, yeah, I don't know if he's going to be like a one and done villain. If he's kind of, kind of still like lurk in the shadows with his like, you know, Etsy made Captain America shield, <laughs> you know, like how they had at the end. And uh, so, yeah, I really I have like no huge predictions about what will happen aside from, you know, Sam being Captain America, maybe Torres being his own version of uh, the Falcon. I bet John Walker lives. I mean, I I like mm-hmm. the, the 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 writer in me says kill him in a really epic scene. But like but. the Disney executive in me says no franchise yeah. opportunities. <laughs> Yeah, he's he will probably live to see the light of day. Agatha lived at the end of WandaVision. So, mm-hmm. you know, they'll find a way to keep him around. Maybe, you know, in another series, they'll bust him out of prison and use him like... Z- I love Zemo, by the way. I hate that we had... To, I think yeah. we've said goodbye to Daniel Brule. Made me sad. I wish we could have more of him. Um, but, yeah, I'm really excited for the conclusion. Yeah, me too. I, I, I'm invested. Some people are talking about the Nevers in there, which I am still liking. I feel like it's not really catching on that much, though. I don't know. It's 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 such uh, a an a uh, quirky concoction that yeah. um, <laughs> so like kind of singular. But um, I am liking it, and I'll keep watching it, and I hope it finds a, a, a bigger audience. I also want to okay before we go. I want to stop for a show that I picked up that mm. uh, has been around for a while. It's going to its third <laughs> season that I'd heard of, but I never watched. You ever heard of a show called Warrior that came from Cinemax? Ooh, no. Okay. So I, I heard I, I heard it before, and it made news this past week because um, I think HBO Max picked it up for its third season because Cinemax mm. is like, you know, Under premium cable. Who does that anymore? Yeah. And like, no one was watching it. <laughs> so it's going to continue on its third season. And I started watching it because I heard the good things, and I'm really liking it a lot. It is about a Chinese immigrant who comes over in 1870s San Francisco and gets kind of caught up in apparently the real life Tong Wars between some different gangs in Chinatown. And it was based on an idea that Bruce Lee had back in like the mm. 70s that no one wanted to make or that he never could, that he just couldn't get made in, in, in yeah. before he died prematurely. And his daughter produces it. And I watched the first like few episodes. Really, really good. Like, um, characters are rich. The story is like carefully written and there's lots of martial arts battles and they're really good martial (laughs) arts battles. So if anybody out there is looking for someone to watch, Julie, I think you might like it because it does. It's a little more uh, uh, a not YA Um, warrior on HBO Max. It's all the first two seasons are on there. That sounds good. (laughs) It looks like I'm not sure if Jen watched warrior or the talking to soldier four times, but I recommend them all. I like Vanessa says she likes Zemo too. I thought I was the only weird one. No, <laughs> Team Zemo. <laughs> no, he's fun. Yeah, he definitely has a presence. All right. I feel like we covered a lot. Although mm-hmm. that's it, it, been a whole lot of time passed. Any of your thoughts you have before we sign off for the week, Mia? Or any of no. you out there? No, I'll settle down for a long winter's nap. It's been snowing in the US in the middle of April. So yeah, it's been weird. <laughs> it really is a long winter's nap. <laughs> yes, Jen is all for Warrior. I, I'm really into nice. it, Jen. I'm going to keep watching it. 
because I'm definitely on, on, on the warrior train and I'll, I'll put you with some more stuff. All right. In that case, thanks for joining us, everybody. We are here every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time on the Winners Coming Facebook page, the Winners Coming YouTube page. Uh, we're also available in, po- available in podcast form wherever there are uh, you can get your podcast, iTunes, Google Play, whatever. And we hope you listen to us. Uh, we hope to see you back and have a pleasant afternoon and evening. Goodbye. Goodbye. This podcast is brought to you by Fansight. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. 